This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Again, we want to welcome everybody. If, if, you, if you're new to church or if you, this is your first time in a long time, uh, we want you to make sure that you feel relaxed and are part of the family this morning. We are, like the girl said, in the final week of a series that we have called Jesus in the Now. And what we've been discussing in this series is uh, we have stories about Jesus in the Bible, in the four Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about his life and ministry and what he did. But what we don't want to do is just leave Jesus in the Bible. We actually want to, by his spirit, have him working in our lives. And then, uh, very importantly, we want him working through our lives so that we can actually be experiencing Jesus right now in this time of our lives in 2019. So if you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn over to John chapter 17. And we're going to read a verse that we've been talking about each week. John chapter 17, verse 3. And Jesus is speaking here and he says this phrase. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus characterizes eternal life, not with a length of time. Let me explain to you exactly how long eternal is. But he actually describes it with a quality of life or a very specific uh, type of life. And it's a relationship life. And not just any old relationship, but a relationship with God. This is eternal life. That we would know Jesus and we would have this relationship with God. And in a very real sense, we do define our lives by the relationships that we have. We are uh, the brother and sister of so-and-so. And and I am the the daughter or the son of so-and-so. I'm married to this person. Uh, We define our lives by... The relationship that we have. And this is what God wants us to do. This very important relationship with him. Jesus is characterizing eternal life. Now eternal life is not just something that happens after we die. Eternal life is happening right now. It means life that goes on forever. But that means that's starting right now for us. So God actually wants to have a relationship with us in this present time. And this is how he's characterizing eternal life. Now, we think about the relationships that we have. You know, growing up, you might have uh, the dream of, you know, romantic love or, or the dream of getting married at a very specific time. Now, when I was young, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I set a very specific age when I would want to be married. Did anyone ever do that in the room? Did anyone ever pass that age? Any single people in the room pass the age? All right, let's all stand up. Single people all stand up and look around. No, I'm just kidding. So I passed this age, and you know, when, when you're growing up, you're watching like romantic movies, you know, about, you know, guys finding this perfect girl, and, and then it's just such a wonderful experience. And so I'm just gonna share a little bit about, you know, meeting my wife. Now, I met my wife 27 years ago this fall. We've been married 25 years coming up. And, uh, so when I met my wife 27 years ago, and, and you know, Guys, you'll, you'll, you'll believe the story that I'm telling. And my wife is going to get a chance to talk here in a couple weeks on Mother's Day so she can tell the girl version or whatever. <laughs> but guys, you'll know what I'm saying is true. Now, I, I don't, I'm not sure how else to describe it, but when I met my wife, she was just really into me. 
Guys, you know what I'm talking about? That's right. I got some friends in church this morning. And we went, the very first day, we went out together. We went out on a group day. We had met at Bible school, so it was awesome. It was like super exciting. And, uh, you know, the car that we were going in, it had one of those cars that actually had a bench in the front, so three people could sit in the front. So my wife was sitting in the front in the center, and I was sitting in the back the center, this is a true story, she cannot deny this. And, and the whole way to the restaurant, she was turned around looking at me, talking to me. I'm like, girl, slow your roll a little bit. I'm not a piece of meat. I'm a human being. Anyway, love, this dream of love, was very generalized, but it became significant. Because it was specific. That I was actually experiencing... And I might have felt some kind of way about her, but we're not going to talk about that. But it it was specific. Now, it wasn't just a dream. It wasn't just an idea that I was actually experiencing the love that I had dreamed about my whole life. And this is really important as it relates to our relationship with God. John chapter 11, verse 25 says this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection... And the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus characterized our eternal life as a relationship with him. And then he says about himself, metaphorically speaking, I am the resurrection. So when we have a relationship with God, when we have a relationship with Jesus, we are experiencing resurrection life. Now, what does a resurrection mean? It means coming back from the dead. It means life emerging from death. Now, this past week in Paris, a very famous uh, church building, Notre Dame, burned. And I had so many people on my social media that had gone through Notre Dame and they posted pictures and they were so sad about this beautiful architecture that had been destroyed by fire. But then soon after the building had been destroyed by fire, have you heard about this? All of these very wealthy people have now pledged money to be able to rebuild Notre Dame. So what's going to happen? That from the ashes, something is going to rise. And then when that building rises again, you know, everybody around the world is going to celebrate that this great wonder of architecture has now been rebuilt. Now, I don't know if you're a sports fan at all, but last Sunday, Tiger Woods won the Masters Tournament. <laughs> now, if you, if, if you, <laughs> you may or may not be a Tiger Woods fan, um, and if you don't know the story about Tiger Woods, one of the best golfers of all time, then approximately about 10 years ago, his life basically uh, took a very bad turn. He made a bunch of stupid decisions, and he ruined his old family experience, and then he went through a bunch of health problems, uh, so much so that one time he wouldn't even be sure that he could actually walk again, let alone play golf, let alone play golf competitively with the best golfers in the world. And then this last week, he won the Masters Tournament, one of the major tournaments in golf. And then you see this scene that after he made the putt on the 18th to win the tournament, he came off the green and he hugged his son. And this was a resurrection moment. This is life emerging from death. And see, this is what God wants us to experience uh, as it relates to a relationship with him, life coming out of death. First Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church. 
And he explains to them about the gospel message. What does this resurrection event mean for us? For those of us alive today that we're living now in a time where the resurrection happened a long time ago. What does it mean for us? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1. It says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preach to you what you received on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living. And so in other words, Paul is saying, you can go fact check me if you want. People saw Jesus. Though some of them have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Paul says this word, the gospel, the gospel saves us. He also writes to the church at Rome and he says this in chapter 1, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. And that means everybody. That the gospel is for every individual. The gospel is for everyone. Now, what does the word gospel mean? Now, really, by, by simple definition, the word gospel means good news. But in this time, the gospel was a term that would be used um, in a political context many times when there was a new Caesar or a new leader coming to power. They would proclaim the gospel, the good news about this leader. What is he going to do? What is he going to provide? What, what are his um, things that he is going to accomplish in the city or the country based on his leadership? They were telling the good news about this leader. Now, Jesus took this word and used this word. And then the church fathers took this word, the good news about Jesus about something that had been accomplished. The totality of the Jesus story is the gospel. And that's what we see there. Paul was saying that there's this whole thing that happened, that he was born, he lived a sinless life, he died on a cross, and then he rose again. This is the story of the gospel. The good news is in the form of a story. So what does that story mean for our story? Is it meaningful for us in 2019 or is it just an idea in an old book? But now, when we think about the word gospel, what does it mean? Uh, like I said, it's a political announcement, the totality of the Jesus event. But also it means this. It means a gift from God. It is the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins and sonship with God restored through Christ. It means remission of sins and reconciliation with God. This is what the gospel means. Now, I'm just going to give you three points uh, about what the gospel means for our lives. And then our team is going to come back and we're going to sing one more song. And one of the things that we would say about the gospel, the first thing that the, the, the story of the gospel tells us is that God was motivated by love when he sent Jesus. That God wasn't motivated by anger. That God didn't want to get you because he was angry. Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. So this was God's motivation for sending Jesus. This was God's motivation for the Jesus event, for the life of Christ. That God loves 
you and I. And this motivation is so important to understand about the character and nature of God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was on the other side of the cross. Now we know the terrible crucifixion story that Jesus had nails put in his hands and in his feet and he was hung on a cross and there was a sword put in his side and he hung there until he died. And so what what does it tell us about Jesus? That Jesus endured that, he endured it how? With joy. Because on, on the other side of the cross, he saw you and he saw me. That he was going to provide a way for humanity to have a relationship with God. So this was the joy that Jesus saw on the other side of the cross. He endured this hardship. He enjoyed the difficulty, he endured the difficulty of the cross. What did, what did he see? He saw you and me. Why? Because he was motivated by the love of God. He wanted you and I to be able to have a relationship with God. The second thing that we see about the gospel this morning is that Jesus sets it right. Jesus makes it right for you and I. We just have to choose to walk in it. Romans chapter 3 verse 21 says this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Now what is righteousness? Righteousness means right standing with God. How is it that I can actually have... a a relationship with the holy creator God. And it tells us there's, there's a righteousness that has shown up separate from the law. Now, for many people, when they think about a relationship with God, they think about maybe people that avoid certain things and do, you know, don't do this and they don't do that. And religion is about a bunch of do's and don'ts. And the people that are really close to God are the people that just don't do a bunch of stuff. But the writer here is telling us there's a righteousness that manifests, shows up, separate from law-keeping. So it not, has nothing to do with how good you and I, have, the ability that we have to keep the laws in Canada, or to keep religious laws. Righteousness that manifests, shows up, separate from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, verse 22 The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So righteousness, this righteousness is being offered to all. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What did it say there? Justified by his grace as a gift. Now, how many of you like to receive gifts? We all like to receive gifts. Now, if you have a birthday party or maybe at Christmas, if somebody gives you a gift, after they give you a gift, you don't say, how much do I owe you? Do you? No, because then it wouldn't be a gift anymore. You would have paid for it. See, this is what a lot of people try to do with their religion, with religious practices or trying to act religious or trying to act perfectly. And you aren't because we all know this. We all know as individuals we aren't perfect. And scripture just tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
But how is it that we experience this righteousness? We experience it by receiving the gift. It's a gift of grace. So God is offering this gift of grace to everybody. Stop being religious. Stop acting in such a way that you think I am going to be pleased. See, this is what all religion does. All religion is man trying to climb the mountain to God. What can I do, God? What can I do to climb the mountain to you? Can I, if I act like this and I talk like this and I say the right thing and I avoid this, I climb the mountain to God. But the gospel is about God coming down to us. God coming off the mountain down to us and offering us the gift of righteousness. We would be foolish to say no. We would be foolish to say, no, 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 God, I'm going to achieve righteousness on my own. I'm going to be a good this, or I'm going to be a good that. No, God offers us grace. It's a gift. Righteousness is only experienced by what Jesus did on the cross. And all we have to do is say, yes, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says, This, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And see, this is what this whole service is about today. That reconciliation with God has been provided. It is done. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Religion says, here's what you need to do that one day you might achieve. The gospel says, it is done. It has been done for you. And then, therefore what? Be reconciled to God. Receive the gift. Receive what God has given to you. The third thing that we see about the gospel this morning... This gospel story, this big story, is that his story connects with our story. And how is that true? Jesus, literally the perfect person, never had sinned, faced the ultimate opposition and was killed and was betrayed and was falsely accused and experienced things that we experience. We've gone through really difficult times. We've gone through suffering. We maybe had a friend or a relationship or a marriage that broke. And what did we feel in those moments? We we felt betrayed. We felt hurt and we felt damaged. See, Jesus experienced all of that leading up to the cross. He identified with us. See, that's something that we all have in common as humans, regardless of our background. Man, we all suffer sometimes. And what did God do? God came down in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our sufferings, and identified with us. And then what's the other part of the equation? We've also hurt people. We've, we, we've done some things wrong. We haven't measured up. But the story of the scripture is that Jesus actually measured up for us. He was without sin. And so he accomplished the law on our behalf. And then we, when we receive what he's done for us on the cross, we then become the sons and daughters of God. He just gets right down in the middle of our lives. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ 
who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, this is where the big story of the gospel becomes significant because it becomes specific. See, Nicole, 27 years ago, loved me and I loved her too. I left that part of the story. But that's what, that's what made it special because somebody was loving me. See, the story of the gospel isn't just that God loved the world, that's general and that's good and that's important. But you know what? He died for you. And, and he, he did something for you as an individual. And he knows you better than you know yourself. Created you. He's with you. He's calling you to a relationship with himself. And he knows all of the stuff you've done. He knows all of the ways that you fall short. He knows all of the mistakes that you've made. He knows all of the hurt you feel. All of the pain you've experienced in life. He identifies with all of that. And then what does he say in the middle of all of that? I love the world, yes. But I love you. See, God knows your name this morning. Even if I, I don't know your name this morning, it's more important to know that God knows your name. And God is interested in the big and the small things of your life. And he's wanting to have a relationship with you. He's wanting you to experience eternal life. What is eternal life? It's relationship with God. Resurrection life. That we would experience, even though the resurrection happened some 2,000 years ago, that when we have a relationship with the living creator of the world, we experience resurrection life today. So it's not just for somebody else. It's not just for the perfect people, and there really aren't anyway. It's not just for the religious people. God's not accepting our religion. God has done something for you and me. He gave himself for you. We see this in our last story we're going to read this morning before we sing. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. It's a really big crowd. There's really a multitude. And we see this over and over again in the ministry of Jesus. But the story continues. Large crowds followed, but a man, an individual with leprosy came and knelt before him. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. So the big story of the gospel, the big idea that God so loved the world, and there's a multitude following Jesus, but then one person came. And what did Jesus do? To this person who's facing disease, this person who's experienced brokenness in his life, a person who's experienced um, difficulty in relationships, what does Jesus do? Jesus reaches out his hand see and this is what God does for all of us in here this morning that God 
reaches out his hand to gr- his hand of grace to everybody in this room. The gospel is for everybody. The good news is good news for everybody. And all we need to do is put our righteousness aside, our own pretend righteousness, our own religiosity, and just receive the gift of grace from God because it is in God's open hand this morning. So I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. And and I'm inviting everybody to pray along with me. If you're here this morning, and you're, you know, you're not, consider yourself a Christian, not a church person, or maybe you first time back at church in a long time or for those of us that have been around you've been in church for decades we're all going to affirm this in our lives today or reaffirm this in our lives what are we going to do man we're going to receive what is in god's open hand this morning thanks for listening if you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you please email info at thecitychurch.ca.